Please be seated. And uh, can I once again now welcome everybody here this morning. Uh, could you please turn with me to Daniel chapter 2? Uh, Daniel chapter 2, our Old Testament reading today, and that's on page 879 of the Church Bibles, page 879, Daniel chapter 2. And on these uh, bulletins that you received as you came in, if you go to the center page, you'll see an outline uh, of the talk this morning. So please, if you could open that as well, that'll be helpful. Uh, but most importantly, page 879, Daniel chapter 2. Now lead us in prayer as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you that all Scripture is breathed out by you and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as we uh, look at this passage together, uh, that your Spirit who gave us this, this word would, would be at work among us. Would he please strengthen me uh, to teach your word rightly and faithfully and in his power? Uh, and may he work in each one of our hearts. Uh, may he point us to Christ and help us to uh, love him and obey him. And we ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we all have secrets, don't we? Uh, some of those secrets we share with others, uh, and some of them we keep to ourselves. When someone tells you something that is a secret, that's a, that's a great privilege, isn't it? It's a big thing. Now, God has secrets. There are lots of things that He doesn't tell us, but He also reveals secrets. At the right time, to the right people, He makes His mysteries known. And our passage today, we will see an example of something, of how that happens. Well, last week we saw God gave His pe people Judah into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar had brought some of the, the key people of Judah after conquering Jerusalem. He brought some of the key people of Judah and the vessels from God's temple in Jerusalem uh, and brought them there to Babylon. Uh, and he was inducting the cream of the people, including Daniel and three of his friends, into the ways of the Babylonians. But we saw they remained faithful to God and, and God looked after them. Their wisdom and knowledge would surpass all the magicians and the enchanters in Babylon. And Daniel would remain in King Nebuchadnezzar's service, eventually outlasting both him and the empire of Babylon itself, uh, until the time of King Cyrus, of the empire of the Medes and the Persians, which came later. Chapter 2 of Daniel takes us back to the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Uh, we see in verse 1 that he had a troubling dreams. He, he can't sleep. And so he calls together his magicians, his enchanters, his sorcerers, his Chaldeans, and he says to them in verse 3, I have a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. And the answer in verse 4, O king, live forever. Tell your servants a dream, and we will show you the interpretation. That sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? But the king has other ideas. He says in verse 5, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruin. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. The problem is, they can't, can they? 
And they can make up all kinds of fanciful interpretations if the king tells them the dream, but how are they going to know what the dream is? And so again, they ask the king to tell them the dream, but then the king is getting annoyed by now. If they can tell him the dream, he will know they can be trusted, that their magic works. But if they can't tell him the dream, then why should he trust them to explain this very troubling and perhaps even politically damaging dream? And so in verse 8 and 9, he insists they tell him the dream first, so he will know they can show the interpretation. And they give a very interesting answer in verse 10. They say this, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Only the gods can do this, and their dwelling is not with flesh. The king now gets very angry. What's the use of all these magicians if they can't do something that's obviously supernatural? If they don't have access to the gods, then what's the point of them? They're all bluff. So furious is the king that he commands that all the wise men of the Babylon be killed. And so the decree for the execution goes out. But this, verse 13, is also going to include Daniel and his friends. They were trained with the Babylonian magicians they're going to be killed with them as well. And so in verse 14, Daniel discreetly speaks to Arioch, the the captain of the king's guard who was appointed to carry out the executions, and he explains why the king wants to execute the magicians. And when he hears this, Daniel asks for an appointment with the king to show him the interpretation of the dream. But the problem is, at this point, Daniel doesn't know it yet himself. And so in verse 17, he goes home and and he tells his three friends, And he asked them in verse 18 to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. In other words, he calls his partners to pray with him. And their prayer is answered. In verse 19, we see that Daniel himself receives the the, uh, uh, vision in the night. And the mystery is revealed to him. And in response, he blesses God. God is the one, he says in verse 20, to whom wisdom and might belong. He is the one, verse 21, who removes kings and sets them up. He is the one at the end of verse 21 who gives wisdom to those who have it. He is the one, verse 22, who who reveals secrets. And so, in verse 23, Daniel thanks God for revealing the king's matter to him. So now Daniel's got the dream. He's got the interpretation, goes back to Ariok. Ariok brings him before the king, and the king calls him by his Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, and asks him if he is able to make known both the dream and the interpretation. And listen to Daniel's answer in verse 27. He says, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. You see, the Chaldeans were kind of right that no man can do what the king asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. 
And the God who gave this dream to Nebuchadnezzar has revealed that mystery to Daniel. And Daniel's quick to say that it's not because in verse 30 of his own wisdom, but so that the king would know the thoughts of his mind. And then he goes on to tell the king the dream. He says in verse 31, You saw, O king, and behold a great image. The word, the word image there is also the word for statue or sculpture or idol. And this image or idol in verse 31 was mighty of exceeding brightness, stood before the king, its, its appearance was frightening. This was a huge, dazzling, terrifying, intimidating statue. But before it, you felt really small. And in verse 32, this image has got five sections of decreasing value. Its head is fine gold, its chest and arms silver, its middle and thighs bronze, its legs iron, and its feet partly iron and partly clay. But then Daniel says in verse 34, you looked and a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. And so the stone comes onto the feet, breaks the pieces and then of course with the feet broken, the whole image comes crashing down. Verse 35, the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and gold all together were broken in pieces. And even those broken pieces and the dust from that shattering image, as it comes down, it is blown by the wind. And it's blown by the wind away such that not a trace of it is left. It's all gone. But the stone that struck the image, Daniel continues in verse 35, became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. What an amazing dream. Well, then Daniel goes on immediately to explain the dream. He tells Nebuchadnezzar in verses 37 to 28, 37 to 38, that, that he is that head of gold. God had given him the kingdom and the power to, to rule over the earth in glory, but he wouldn't last. Another kingdom, he says in verse 39, inferior to yours will come after you. That's the silver one. But even that doesn't last. And there's a bronze one which shall rule over the earth. But even that doesn't last. And in verse 40, there's a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And well, this fourth kingdom, this is not replaced by another. It somewhat changes and morphs into a mixed kingdom. And so in verses 41 to 43, the, foot, the feet and toes of iron and clay symbolize a kingdom that's, that's partly strong like iron, partly brittle like clay. They're, they're mixed but divided, and the kingdom's like that as well. So there's that picture, that image. The kingdoms of the world, one by one by one. From Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon down to the end. But then, remember the stone? There's another kingdom of a different kind altogether. Verse 44 and 45. And in those days of, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. This stone of, of non-human origin, that is the kingdom of God. 
And that kingdom, unlike Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and all the kingdoms after his, is a kingdom that lasts forever. And this kingdom will crush all the kingdoms of the world and bring them to an end. And so given the content of the dream, it's not surprising that Daniel concludes in verse 45 by, by reminding the king that all this is from God, who is making the future known to the king. The dream, he says, is certain. Its interpretation is sure. Well, Nebuchadnezzar knows that Daniel got the dream right, so the interpretation must be right as well, whether or not he likes it. He knows that his Chaldeans were wrong when, when they said that no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh because, because God had shown it to the king through this, through this man, Daniel, whom he had brought from Jerusalem. And so in verse 45, he falls on his face. He pays homage to Daniel. He commands an offering and incense be offered to him as if he's one of the gods. We don't know Daniel's reaction to that, but we do know the king's conclusion. He has learned two things about God in this chapter. And we see them both in his answer to Daniel in verse 47. Have a look with me at verse 47. The king said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. Your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. If, if this, this, this dream is true, and the king knows it is, then God, Daniel's God is more powerful than all gods and kings because, because his kingdom destroys them all. And so Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges Daniel's God as the God of God and the Lord of kings. Now, he's not going to follow this through to its logical outcome. That is, worship only him. In fact, as we see, and we'll see in chapters to come, he is quite far from that. But at this point at least, he knows that the highest God is Daniel's God, even if he doesn't make him his God. The other thing he learns about God in verse 47 is that he is a revealer of mysteries. He's a revealer of mysteries. Mysteries are hidden things. But the God of Daniel is able to communicate hidden things to human beings. He is a God who speaks. And he is a God who, who, who speaks about the things of the future. He is a revealer of mysteries. And the result of all this, in verse 48, the king exalts Daniel. He gives him high honors and many gifts. He makes him ruler of the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over the wise men of Babylon. Reminds you a little bit of Joseph, isn't it? 1,500 years before, who also was exalted after interpreting the king's dream. When Daniel's exalted, he doesn't forget his prayer partners. And they were the ones who stood with him back in chapter 1 in seeking to be faithful to God while being Babylonianized. Uh, and they were the ones who had prayed with him that God would reveal the mystery of the king's dream to him. And, and so in verse 49, at his request, the king appoints them over the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remains at the king's court. So what do we learn from this passage? Well, the number of things that we see from here, but the first and I think the biggest one is this. God reveals mysteries. God reveals mysteries. 
And the mysteries that God reveals aren't simply any old mysteries. Uh, he's not really interested in revealing what numbers are going to win the four digits or the outcome of the general elections or who's going to win the Premier League or the, the movements of the stock market. The mysteries God reveals are the mysteries of the kingdom. That's what he revealed to Nebuchadnezzar. The kingdoms of this world, no matter how powerful, how glorious, how intimidating they seem, will pass away. One will replace another. It will happen again and again and again until God's kingdom comes and sweeps it all away. And there'll be nothing left of them. But God's kingdom is the one that will prevail. His kingdom will grow and fill the whole earth. His kingdom will never come to an end. And unlike these worldly kingdoms, God's kingdom does not come by human effort. It does not come through military might. It is a supernatural kingdom. God revealed this mystery to Nebuchadnezzar, the mystery of his kingdom. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, that God in the past spoke to the, to, through the prophets in many different ways. And here we see one of them, isn't it? Uh, the prophet Daniel uh, giving him information about Nebuchadnezzar's dream and, and his interpretation. But then it says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the ultimate revelation from God. And he's the one who ultimately reveals to us the mystery of the kingdom. And he reveals so much more than we see in Daniel. Uh, he's shown us that he is the king of the kingdom that we can enter that kingdom by trusting in Him. He's shown us that He has established that kingdom by dying for us to, to save His people from their sin. And God the Father has affirmed Him as the King of that kingdom by, by raising Him from the dead. And He's commanded that His kingdom be, be preached in all the world so that both Jews and Gentiles come into this kingdom by faith in Him. And we know that His kingdom will be consummated and will be seen in all its fullness when He returns at the end of the day. And the kingdoms of this world, all the kingdoms, will become the kingdom of our God and His Christ, and He will reign forever. All this was a mystery. Actually, it was there in the Old Testament. but couldn't be understand, couldn't be understood until Jesus came. And so in Ephesians 6.19, Paul speaks about the mystery of the gospel for which he is in chains. Elsewhere, he, he reminds us that the fact that God's kingdom is for both Jews and Gentiles, that's, that's also a mystery that now has been revealed. In Ephesians 1.9, God has made known to us the mystery of His will, which was actually, what was it? It was a plan to bring everything together under Christ. That's the same as saying the kingdom of God is going to fill the whole world, but just a bit more detail. God reveals mysteries, and the mystery has revealed is the mystery of His kingdom, partly through the prophets as we've seen today, but perfectly in His Son. But God not only tells us the truth about His kingdom, He also tells us the truth about His rivals. The kingdoms of this earth uh, that, that make up that statue, they seem so big, so powerful. But they only look like that. They're not really. One will be replaced by another again and again. And when the image is finally stoned, they will all disappear just like that. They are idols, and idols will not last. 
God will crush his rivals. So we see in God's revelation about his kingdom and about the kingdoms of the world. So how, how do we respond to these two things? Well, Nebuchadnezzar responded. His response was, was positive, but, but frankly inadequate, wasn't it? He was willing to pay homage to Daniel, but not bow down before his God. He was willing to say that the God of heaven was the God of gods and the Lord of kings, but, but he wasn't willing to put aside his gods and give allegiance to the God of Daniel. He was willing to promote Daniel and his friends, but he wasn't willing to turn aside from idols, including the idol of his own kingdom. And God would, in time, humble him and bring him down to size, but we'll see that later. Friends, you and I have received an even bigger revelation of an even bigger mystery or secret that Nebuchadnezzar received. We have been given to understand the same mystery of the same kingdom in much more detail than Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. How do we respond? Some people like Nebuchadnezzar respond positively but inadequately. They're willing to say good things about God and about Jesus, but they're not willing to put aside their gods and, and give Him their full allegiance. At best, maybe they want to make Jesus one of their objects of worship. But that is not a bargain that God accepts. God does not want us to respond like Nebuchadnezzar. If you're someone who's here today and you're really impressed with God, well, that's good. But God is not impressed with you. If you're someone who's so impressed with God that you do good things for His servants, well, that's, that's good. But God is not impressed with you. God wants you to turn aside from worshipping idols. God wants you to turn away from, from making something else, anything else, the focus of your life, and to worship Him. He wants you to be in His kingdom. Remember when Jesus came, His very first message was that the kingdom of God is at hand. That what was foretold in Daniel 2 was about to take place. And so He said, repent and believe the gospel. And for the people of Jesus' day, that meant that they should, they should trust that Jesus is God who has come to save and rule His people. And they should turn and follow Him. And for us today, it means exactly the same thing. We see a little bit more details that he saved his people by dying for them on the cross, taking the punishment for their sin on their behalf, that he rose from the dead to show that he is the king of all who trust in him. And so he calls us to come to him, to bow to him, to give him our full allegiance and to trust in him to be our king. And when we do that, our sins are forgiven. We are part of his kingdom where he not only rules us as our king, but will be our loving king forever. God has revealed to you his mystery. How are you going to respond? Well, for those of us who already believe, Daniel's also a good example of how to respond to God's revelation. Remember what Daniel did when, when the mystery was revealed to him? He blessed the God of heaven. He acknowledged that God is the one who reveals mysteries. And he thanked God for it. In our gospel reading today, Jesus thanked 
his Father for revealing the mysteries through him to the least expected. He said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. And the mystery there was the identity of Jesus himself. Likewise, we should be so thankful that God has revealed these mysteries to us. It is an amazing thing and a great privilege that God has shared His secrets with us and that He has given us His Spirit to open our eyes, to understand, to believe. We know about the kingdom. We know where history is going. We're not left in the dark. That's a, don't take that for granted. Be thankful, ever so thankful, that God has revealed His mysteries to you. But remember, what was once a secret is not a secret anymore. The time has come for it to be shared with others. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul is asking the believers to pray that God gives him open doors to declare the mystery of Christ. And then he prays that, that he would be able to do that clearly as he should. Because the gospel of Jesus, that mystery that is now revealed, it's got to be taken out. It's got to be proclaimed. And friends, like Daniel, God has given us insight into his mystery. We now know. And like him, we have the privilege of telling others about the kingdom of Jesus. So let's proclaim that kingdom to others. And let's pray for each other that we'll be able to do so clearly. And as we do that, let us also remember the insight, not only that God has given us into his kingdom, but into the kingdoms of the world. They are going to be replaced one by one by one. And eventually they will all pass away. <coughs> Friends, do not put your hope in the kingdoms of this world. Every empire in history has eventually fallen. Every multinational company will eventually wind up or merge or be taken over. Everything that looks so impressive and solid and unshakable will be shaken. When I was a kid, the Soviet Union looked like it was going to be there for good. And suddenly, it's gone. One or two generations back, you might have thought the same thing about the British Empire. Today, you think about Facebook or Google. But they too will pass. Sometimes people migrate for, for the sake of the children to get the security of a more stable country. But even that country will disappoint in the end. The important thing is that you are citizens of the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom that will last forever. That is the one that will not be destroyed. Never, 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 never jeopardize your place in that kingdom for the sake of one of those kingdoms that will pass away. Remember we sang in our first hymn, Fading is the worldling's pleasure, all his boasted pomp and show, solid joys and lasting treasure. None but Zion's children know. Your citizenship is in that kingdom. Now it doesn't mean that you can't serve in one of these kingdoms. Daniel and his friends became high-ranking officials in the Babylonian Empire. Christians can be part of, of governments and companies that, that other people idolize in order to play a role to do good for the sake of Christ in those contexts. But we will never idolize those things. We will never let them take first place in our lives. 
We will make sure that we make time for the things that really matter. We will make sure that we follow the ethics of the kingdom that really matters. For we know that no matter how glorious everything is about those worldly kingdoms, they'll be destroyed in the end. Don't kid yourself, there will be nothing left at all. Friends, we serve Jesus and do good as citizens of the world's kingdom. You do that as you work. You work hard, you work honestly, you work faithfully. But you know that your priority is to seek God and His kingdom. And you know that when push comes to shove, your ultimate loyalty is to Him. Finally, I'm guessing some of you want to know what those various kingdoms are. Well, we know the gold head is Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom of Babylon. We know the stone is the kingdom of God that was inaugurated in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so taking the empires between the two, many commentators conclude that the silver chest and arms is the empire of the Medes and the Persians, the, the bronze middle and thigh is the Greeks, the iron legs and the feet and toes represent the Romans. But the main point of God's revelation through Daniel here isn't to work out the details of the world's empires. They're all about to be destroyed anyway. The thing that we're really interested in is the fact that God has told us the secret of His kingdom, that kingdom that will last forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the one true God, the one who reveals mysteries. And we thank you that you have revealed the mystery of your kingdom to us through the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the privilege that it is that you have, that you have told us of that kingdom. And you have told us of your plans and purposes to bring everything under Christ, your King. May we be people who live in the light of your revelation. May we neither fear nor love the kingdoms of this world, no matter how impressive they seem, for we know they are passing away. May we serve you in these kingdoms, but seek and serve your kingdom above everything else. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.